Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. And so over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through his word and through his presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly glad to have you here. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Friday. I just want to say a super duper massive thank you to everybody who's listening everywhere. Um, I looked at the stats, um, like the analytics that are on the backside of the podcast, and I just wanted to say um, thank you to people that are in Canada, Uruguay, Denmark, Bangladesh, Indonesia, Germany, Zimbabwe, Egypt, Spain, and the Netherlands. I am literally blown away, and I'm so grateful. And I also just wanted to give a friendly reminder that if the podcast or the book, Unedited, Hope and Healing Through the Simple Habit of Bible Reading and Prayer have been a blessing in any way, I'd be so grateful if you could leave a review wherever you listen or a review on Amazon. This is just such a massive part of spreading a message in today's day and age. And the message that I'm spreading and that I am passionate about is that God heals the human heart and the brokenness of human lives through the power of his word and the power of his presence. He uses other means as well, but those are the two primary factors that get down deep into the hearts of humans and do an inner work that nothing else can do. It says in Psalms 107:20, he sent his word and healed them. And I am passionate about this message and I just want to say thank you for being willing to help me spread and share this word with others. As I've shared before, the format of this podcast is typically I open up with a tip for establishing the habit of Bible reading and prayer, and then I share a journal entry that I've written in my own devotional time over the years, something that sort of correlates or something that the Lord lays on my heart. Um, That's the second portion of the podcast. Today, I'm not really going to give any tips for establishing the habit of Bible reading and prayer, but this is just one of those episodes where I want to touch on something that I believe comes about as an effect of reading the Bible and praying. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when we daily choose to feed our souls, when we daily choose to get into the presence of God, the timeless Word of God we are pouring miracle grow on our faith. If you want a lot of faith, you got to get a lot of word. It is food for your faith, and it is the source of faith. And several months ago, I was at a ladies' retreat, and I heard someone named Janice Jostrand say, you are going to have to decide which testimony you are going to tell. And that statement has just stuck with me. I've had it on my episodes idea list ever since that day. 
And this week, I was just sort of waffling around between several concepts, several ideas, several things that I could possibly share. And I just had a moment where I said, nope, I know tomorrow I am going to talk about which testimony are you going to tell? And I was in my car. I walked uh, into the church to teach a Bible study. And wouldn't you know, the lesson that I taught was lesson five about a good report or an evil report, the story of Joshua and Caleb. And really at the end of the day, Joshua and Caleb had to decide which testimony they were going to tell. Were they going to agree with the 10 spies who brought back a negative report of the land? Or were they going to side with the promises of God and bring back a good report? And with that said, today I just feel so strongly to remind you that every life is a compilation of good and bad. Every person is a mixture of beauty and brokenness. And your past is probably littered with some failures and some successes. And what are you going to focus on? There have probably been people that have pitted themselves against you, but you've probably had allies. There's probably been a lot of trial and a lot of tragedy, but there's also been the goodness of God. And what are we going to choose to dwell on? What are we going to choose to confess about our lives, about our past, about our failures, about our histories, about the seasons that we've walked through? And I do want to say with that, there is a time and a place to properly discuss our past, to properly work through our past. If you're struggling to overcome some challenges or difficulties that you've been through, you should talk to your pastor. You should talk to a licensed counselor. There is a proper way to deal with our past and to work through it. But that is not constantly rehashing and rehearsing it to every listening ear. We don't need to talk about every negative thing we've been through every day for the rest of our lives. And so today I just want to talk about our personal focus and our personal expressions of faith. What are we going to look for and what are we going to give voice to? No matter what we faced, we all have this amazing ability to choose our perspective, to choose our attitude, to choose our outlook. No exterior circumstances can topple a man or a woman of God who refuses to stop looking for good, who refuses to stop seeing God's handprints on their lives. Job is such an example of this. He could lose everything, but his praise could not be extinguished because he was a man of faith. He could sit in dust and ashes, and he could still say, Blessed be the name of the Lord because he had faith and he was personally acquainted with God. And so again today, just a friendly reminder to look for the good. Look for the shreds of good in your life. They might be small, but you can still find them and you can still declare them. You can still worship. You can still praise. No matter what circumstances you find yourself in the middle of today, and I want to borrow the words of Sister Janice Strostrand again, you're going to have to decide which testimony you are going to tell. Along with that little thought, um, a pastor who was recently visiting at our church named Wayne Weatheridge shared a story that has also really just stuck with me and been such a blessing. And I did a little bit of Googling this morning, kind of trying to find the original story. And I'm going to read this to you out of a book called How Ronald Reagan Changed My Life by Peter Robinson. It's from chapter one, The Pony and the Dung Heap. Maybe you've heard this before. I had never heard it. And it has been such a blessing in my life. 
So it says, over lunch today, I asked Ed Meese about one of Reagan's favorite jokes. The pony joke, he replied. Meese replied, sure, I remember it. If I heard him tell it once, I heard him tell it a thousand times. The joke concerns twin boys of five or six. Worried that the boys had developed extreme personalities, one was a total pessimist and the other a total optimist, their parents took them to a psychiatrist. First, the psychiatrist treated the pessimist. Trying to brighten his outlook, the psychiatrist took him to a room piled to the ceiling with brand new toys. But instead of yelping with delight, the boy burst into tears. What's the matter? The psychiatrist asked, baffled. Don't you want to play with any of the toys? Yes, the little boy bawled, but if I did, I'd only break them. Next, the psychiatrist treated the optimist. Trying to dampen his outlook, the psychiatrist took him to a room piled to the ceiling with horse manure. But instead of wrinkling his nose in disgust, the optimist emitted just the yelp of delight the psychiatrist had been hoping to hear from his brother, the pessimist. Then he clambered to the top of the pile, dropped to his knees, and began gleefully digging out scoop after scoop with his bare hand. What do you think you're doing, the psychiatrist asked, just as baffled by the optimist as he, has been by the pe- as he had been by the pessimist. With all this manure, the little boy replied, beaming, there must be a pony in here somewhere. I love that story. With all this manure, there must be a pony in here somewhere. And today, maybe you find yourself sitting on top of a pile of manure. I have no idea where you are personally. Maybe... There's more mountains than seem like you could ever cross over. Maybe you're standing at the Red Sea like the children of Israel did with the mountain on both sides and the Egyptians closing in behind you. I really have no idea where you find yourself. But if you are on top of a pile of manure, I just want to remind you that there is a pony somewhere. I hope that little story slash joke just blesses you as much as it blessed me. Today, I'm going to read an unedited journal entry called Two Sides to Every Story. And so here is today's unedited entry, Two Sides to Every Story. Yesterday, as I was teaching Bible study, I was so struck by the stark contrast between the description of Canaan offered by the ten spies and the description of Canaan offered by Moses in Deuteronomy 8. It is almost as if they are talking about two entirely different places. Last night, as we were driving to see the Van Gogh immersive art experience, Olivia was telling us about something and said, because there's always two sides to every story. I said, boom, that's what I'm writing about, which was said rather loudly and startled my fellow passengers. So, two sides to every story. Numbers 13 starts off by God speaking to Moses, Send thou men, that they may search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. God has already promised the people the land. In verses 17 to 20, Moses gives a little instruction to the twelve spies he's chosen. Get you up this way southward, and go up into the mountain, and see the land, what it is. This is not a can we or can't we, this is just a how will we. The spies are not to determine the likeliness or the possibility, but simply to see what the land and people that God has already given them are like. Their return report is as follows. Surely it flows with milk and honey. Here's some fruit from it. 
But the people are strong. The cities are walled and very great. The children of Anak were there, giants, Amalekites in the south, Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites in the mountains, Canaanites by the sea, a land that eats up the inhabitants thereof. The people were men of great stature. There we saw giants. We were like grasshoppers in their sight and in our sight. They didn't come back with a how can we, but with a we can't. Fast forward 40 years to Moses' speech to the children of Israel. He describes the same land they are about to enter. For the Lord your God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat bread without scarceness, you will not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you will dig brass. Moses continues on that in the promised land, they will eat and be full, and they will build goodly houses and live in them, and that their herds, flocks, silver, gold, and all they have will be multiplied. The ten spies and Moses are talking about, describing the same place. They are all painting a picture for the rest of the children of Israel of what has already been promised to them and what has already been given to them. They are all recounting the details of the same land, yet the descriptions provided are drastically different. Why? How? Because there are always two sides to every story. There will always be the side of fear, and there will always be the side of faith. There will always be the side of negativity and the side of positivity. There will always be the side of visible enemies and challenges, and there will always be the side of invisible help. There will always be the side of ingratitude, and there will always be the side of gratitude. Because there's always two sides to every story. These descriptions offered were of the promised land. It was called the promised land because it had been promised to them. It was already theirs, yet they were required to possess it. And as we see from the description of the 10 of the 12 spies, every promise has a problem. And sometimes promises even have impossibilities. For example, Abraham, I promise to make you a great nation and you currently have no children and are very old. David, I'm gonna make you king and currently no one even knows your name. Mary, you're going to conceive a baby, Emmanuel, even though you've known no man. I am convinced that God uses the problem, the impossibility, the other side of the story to produce dependence and strengthen faith. If we could possess the promise on our own, we would take the credit, we would confiscate his glory. And so he gives us a promise with another side. He gives us a promise with giants and walled cities. But as I've discovered, he doesn't usually tell us about those up front. We figure out the challenges as we explore the promise. We don't see the giants that make us feel as small as grasshoppers until we go and search out what has been promised to us. And when we see the challenges to the promise, we can either focus on them or we can focus on the promise. If he said it, he'll do it. What he had promised, he was able also to perform. Will I focus on the walls or will I focus on the grapes? Will I focus on the height of the giants or the sweetness of the land's honey? 
Sometimes you'll enjoy the sweetness of the honey under the shadow of the giants. Will I focus on the enemy's strength or on God's power to do what he said he's going to do? Which side of the story will I focus on and which side of the story will I tell? Which side of the story will I confess? Will my story sound like the story of the spies or the story of Moses? One thing that I think is important to note here is that Moses had not personally seen the promised land when he gave this description. Moses had a description of the promise given to him by somebody else. His opinion of the promise had been painted and shaped by the voices that saw the right side of the story. When the 12 spies are come back from Canaan, and after 10 of them have declared the problems, Caleb and Joshua reiterate the other side of the story. I love the initial response of Caleb after hearing the 10 spies' description. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Following this bold declaration of faith, a giant sob fest slash pity party breaks out among the children of Israel as they choose to focus on the report of the majority. But again, Joshua and Caleb get up and say, hey guys, there are two sides to this story. The land which we pass through to search it out is, is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. The focus and the faith of Joshua and Caleb painted the picture in Moses' mind that he would cling to through those 40 years of wilderness walking that followed and that would proclaim to the children of Israel when those 40 years were about to wrap up. This proves that who we listen to has a powerful effect on our beliefs, our faith, and our confessions. The voices we hear will determine our vision. The voices we tune into decide which side of the story we focus on, which side of the story will we listen to. The majority will probably always focus on the problems, but the faithful will proclaim the promise. One final thought on this, Joshua and Caleb, when relating their side of the story, did not entirely ignore the problem. In their statement, they acknowledged the people of the land, but continue on that they would simply be food for the Israelites. Big people have big fields. Big giants eat big grapes. As Moses told the people in Deuteronomy 6, 10 through 11, God shall have brought thee into a land to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and walls digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. Joshua and Caleb said, We recognize the giants, but we see that they are just planting our vineyards. They are pruning our olive oil. Their milk and honey is our milk and honey. They're just prepping our promises for when we possess our promise. Let me reread that. They're just prepping our provision for when we possess our promise. Faith doesn't ignore the problem entirely. It just sees ahead that God will use the problem to sustain us in the promise. 
The bigger the problems, the greater the opportunity for God to reveal His power and glory. The bigger the giants, the more food they leave behind. Which side of the story will I listen to? Which side will I believe and cling to when I'm not to the promise yet and the giants aren't yet vanquished? And which side of the story will my mouth confess? Because there's always two sides to every story. Philippians 4.8 Whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. I choose to confess a good report. So today, just a little thought, two sides to every story. My pastor recently said, I don't even know what sermon it was in, but I wrote it on a little sticky note on my desk, and it just says, Faith is that secret ingredient that allows people to choose their attitude in the darkest of moments. Which testimony are you going to tell? Are you going to talk about the light? Are you going to talk about the dark? Are you going to talk about the good? Are you going to talk about the bad? Are you going to talk about the goodness of God or the failures of others? And so I just wanted to remind you that there is a pony in all the mess you're facing. God is for you. He's fighting for you. He's with you. He's writing and weaving a story that you don't have the last chapter of yet. Speak faith. And feed your faith in the Word of God today. Thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions or to download a typed or a handwritten transcript of today's entry, you can visit MegUnedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible. I so look forward to the power of this habit in your life. This is Unedited. This is for you. Happy, wonderful, beautiful, joyful, fun, amazing Friday.